for several of our several of our work, it's important for us to understand what's the story that's running currently in our mind because that shapes our belief systems. And without altering belief systems, much change is not sustainable. And therefore, it becomes extremely powerful to first to hear the story that's running and then to be able to make sense of all the stories that are happening around you. Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to Photo Country and I'm your host, Rajiv. This is episode 36 and I have a very special guest for you. He is none other than Kavi Arasa, an old mate of mine from Madurai, my hometown. He's an amazing storyteller and he uses stories to help organizations become better at what they do. Both of us pretty much grew up together right from school, but I don't think none of us imagined that life would take such directions for us, but it did and here we are. He's in Mumbai and I'm in Auckland. He's a storyteller and I'm a podcaster. Go figure. I recorded this conversation long time back when I was starting out in podcasting, just as an experiment. And I thought it was time I dusted out some of my old conversations and revisited them. So here we go. Hi, Kavi. Welcome to the show. Hi, Rajiv. Great to be here. Thank you for having me in your show. Awesome. Thanks for your time. I know you're a busy learning professional. Yeah, I'd like to think so. (laughs) All right. So let's get into this. The basic premise of this episode today is the art of storytelling combined with the power of imagery. And another part that I would like to discuss with you is the importance of having a hobby and how does that impact in your personal, professional life. All right. So let's begin with, with an elevator pitch. What do you do? Well, that's a very tough question because I do a number of things. I think perhaps what's good would be for you to listen to a bit of a background story. For several years, I cut my teeth in the human resource functions of a few organizations in India. And after that, the feeling was that I possibly can do this to many more organizations and serve many more organizations. So there is a portion of me which helps organizations recraft their learning journeys in what's called as a learning organization. How do you ensure that they serve the needs of their clients as a learning organization and therefore stay relevant for the future? So that's one one part of what I do. The other part, of course, is I believe in the power of stories and I do a lot of work in the space of stories and story-based change, both at a community level and within organization. The third element of what I do is I'm interested in technology and the change that it's ushering in human minds and organizational and community spaces. And therefore, to help organizations and community spaces to cope with changes in technology, we kind of work with the communities, organizations, and help them figure out better ways to connect to the changes around them. So that's the third thing that I do. You fondly encompassed all of this under learning professional, but well, that's that's not that's not a completely accurate description, I would say. So all of this is what I do. Other than that, of course, I do some running, I do some travel, I do some photography, I do some random conversations that are slightly more structured. So, so a whole heap of things, Rajiv. So I wonder if that's a that's the most convoluted answer you've got for what do you do, but. That, in a sense, is a premise that the more difficult it is to answer the question, what do you do? Well, you're on to something. That's how I would look at it. Interesting. So it's it's been quite a journey 
And learning has been probably, can I say, a theme that's through everything that you do? More than learning, I think the theme that's resonated with me ever since I started out in advertising many years ago is change. Change and how people are able to adapt and craft relevance for themselves in the space of the changes that they're seeing around them. That has been the common thread. And learning is an important constituent of that. What causes the change? One of the, one of the reasons that change happens finally is learning. So learning is more one of the reasons why change happens, and I'm more wedded to the change than to learning in itself. And what about storytelling? And I know from a video that I saw on YouTube where you were addressing a group of people in a conference, you were talking about how you use images or photographs to kind of anchor the story that you're... How does that work? How does that work in your the content that you create? The stories I discovered as, a, as an important tool to change, the change work that I do, I discovered stories slightly lately, slightly later than what I should have. We all have very powerful stories. Everything around us has a story to it, or rather we supply a story to everything around us. We learn through stories. My, my greatest influence in my early years was my grandmother. And the only reason why I would love to go back to her and talk to her constantly was that she kept telling me a lot of stories. And even now, some of, the, some of her stories are the cornerstones that have shaped my values, my thinking. And some of, it, some of them help me tide over difficulties or face life in much trying times. And what I realized was stories are extremely powerful in organizations, um, in communities. Because these are traditions, these are ways of working, these are culture that is passed on from one set of people to another, sometimes from one generation to another. And all of it happens through stories. And if you know a way of working with stories, then you're able to help people shift their thinking about things. And when you do that to a number of people in one ecosystem, then the ecosystem starts thinking slightly differently. And they start making meaning of the work that they do and the output that, that that particular work produces very differently. And therefore, stories become extremely important. For several of our several of our work, it's important for us to understand what's the story that's running currently in our mind because that shapes our belief systems. And without altering belief systems, much change is not sustainable. And therefore, it becomes extremely powerful to first to hear the story that's running and then to be able to make sense of all the stories that are happening around you and then to craft a new story and then to start living it. Uh, me and a colleague, we developed a framework and we called it the Tell Host Makes Framework, which is you have to have the ability to craft and tell a good story. You will have to have the ability to host good storytelling to happen by other people or the ability to listen to many other stories to come up and then the key ability to string together different stories and say, this is therefore the common thread, or this is where there is a discord. This is a place where things begin to go wrong or right or whatever. So, so it's important to look at stories from a perspective of change as well. And therefore, it's, as I stated earlier, change is my central theme. And therefore, it becomes extremely powerful in being able to act as an instrument which can shape thought and change. 
Excellent a point you make there, Kavi. And talking about change, I think, I mean, if you look at my journey so far, every year I've discovered something new and I've kind of adopted it into my skill set and that's kind of transformed my outlook, my career and the way I define myself as well. And photography was one such discovery that I made when I shifted to New Zealand. So that certainly has transformed my outlook towards life and also what I want to do in the future as well. So it's kind of transformation at various levels. So in that sense, how do you look at photography? I know that you picked up photography as an addition to your blogs, right? How's that panned out for you? Well, photography is an extremely important instrument that I picked up. I call it instrument because it's an instrument of change. The world is moving from words to images. That's my hypothesis that lesser and lesser of people connect to words, but more and more people are connecting to images. And the power of images is now, as in there are lots more people who will be able to connect and read an image far better than or appreciate an image far better. And I picked it up by default, as in it just it was, an, it was an accident because I just had to have something to complement the blogs that I was writing many years ago. And I thought it would be a travesty to go into blogging without pictures. And then I started hunting for pictures. And I used to hunt for pictures from around the web, around the internet. And I used to keep posting those pictures and, and suddenly uh, posting those pictures is a compliment to the blog post that I was writing. And suddenly somebody came by and said, hello, excuse me, you can't do that. That's copywritten. That particular picture is mine. And that's when it hit me that I could not do what it was randomly doing as lifting images from the internet and adding it as a compliment to my own writing. And then it struck me that at that rate, I was almost writing one post a day many years ago. And I was very clear that if that was the case, I had to go out and get pictures for myself. And then I started walking by and started clicking pictures and I was always moving around with the camera. In the initial stages, I was writing a post and then I used to go hunting for pictures to complement that particular post that I was writing. And then later on, it shifted to, I'm going to walk around with a camera and I'm going to keep clicking pictures. And on a particular day, I would say, I'm going to write about something and say, which of those pictures would act as a prompt, act as a stimulus for the writing to flow. So that's how it, it all evolved. And over a period of time, pictures have thus become a very important component of the change work that I do in organizations as well. I show a person a particular picture and I show the same picture to someone else in the same room and they have two different stories to tell. And that in itself is very illustrative for leaders, even at a, the levels of a boardroom to start thinking about the fact that I may be able to see the same picture, but we imagine different things from whatever picture that's being shown to us. So it's, a, it's, been, a, it's been a journey where I started out with it because I had to, and then fell in love with it, and now live with it in a very joyous state. And these are extremely important as tools to tell very good stories. And more importantly, going back to the framework that I mentioned, these are very good in eliciting stories from other people. You show a picture and a story emerges. And photographs, very good photographs, are extremely powerful in getting people to tell great stories about their own lives 
or their own backgrounds or their own their own areas that they much rather not talk about those jump out at the sight of a picture more than a string of words however well crafted those words are okay because i think pictures evoke emotion and you know if i recall you know one of those world press photographs of the year of the immigrant child who unfortunately passed away on the shores of the mediterranean sea if you remember that photograph i think it was really powerful so i can recall so many such photographs which have moved the world and they continue to move the world as well so how do you see social media in today's age i was listening to that address in that conference you were talking about how many people commented and you know you kept on looking at the comments to appear on your blog post i think if you reframe it for today and you just remove that blog and put a put instagram there it's pretty much the same thing right but how do you see that do you think instagram has hijacked photography i think there have been diff- different ways and platforms which have been available to people over the years to express themselves i think these are just platforms these are just tools which train comes and parks itself there where it goes from that particular place is for us to see yes at an earlier age i used to be extremely focused towards how many likes i got how many people commented on it how many people said what about whatever i had posted now that was a time when i used to live for other people's views and approval of what i had done it has a certain way of creeping into you and subtly you start doing things so that you get other people's approval or so that you get more likes so that you get more comments so that it gets shared more but over a period of time what has come up is you don't shoot to get approval you shoot so that you are able to get a sense of joy in being able to capture a particular moment in a particular form that will stay with you forever as much as instagram and as much as all the other forms of social media have come up each of them have their own way of trying to see if there is a better way of social validation and i mean they can create a lot of problems if you just go by that particular aspect of it but the moment you cut loose from that and start doing it for the joy it gives you rather than the approval and the appreciation that it brings from others it frees you up completely to me these are tools and tool is a tool is a tool and how we use it is what will determine how much of benefit we get from a tool if i use instagram for social validation well that's about what i get from it and that's the social pressure that i have to live in that world but if i use it as a mode of free social expression that i'm just putting some stuff up there because i found it interesting and there are three or four people liking it or nobody liking it it doesn't rile me these days it just says okay i mean it doesn't matter in any case i'm not in the space of earning money through it it's just a form of self expression and that in itself is enough but it's a graph that people go through people go through many stages before they get to that level and i'm still going through those motions and so why i say that i still go through those motions is sometimes i ask myself why i should be happy when suddenly a lot of people start liking or commenting on a particular post it should not give me any extra happiness or should it give me any extra sadness when no one does it's a little bit of a tough ask if you are if you ask me but to be conscious of this possibility 
can rid yourself of, of this OPM, I would say, of public validation and public appreciation that comes from total strangers. Okay, so if that's the case, what do you substitute it with? Okay, so then people ask me, so then why are you on Instagram if you're not there for the likes and the connects and everything else? And why are you there? Well, the number of conversations that I have picked up with people, the number of friendships that have blossomed out of that, the number of people's homes that I have been invited to around the world and the number of people who have actually had me stay over and exchange stories, that has been phenomenal. And I keep telling people, had I been focused on how many likes I got or the kind of positive appreciation I got, I wouldn't have gotten this far in connecting with people around the world. Connections happen when you're free of requiring somebody to approve of how you are. Connections happen because you have a story to tell and somebody else has a story to tell and both of you are, sit, are willing to sit down and listen to each other. That has been the benefit and the power of these tools for me. Amazing. That's an excellent insight. Right. So let's look at photography as a hobby and stepping back, why should one have a hobby? And how does that, you know, as a working professional, does having a hobby be like a, a stress relief? Okay. I think there are, to me, I mean, I, I encourage people often to have as many different hobbies as possible. As I said earlier, the more difficult it is for people to tell me who they are and what they do is a very good way for me to understand how much of a width people have. So I'll give you three reasons. And these three reasons are why I love hobbies. I love doing other stuff on the side so that it keeps me alive. And I have three reasons to tell you. The first one is this, that where do we get our sense of identity from? Do we get it from a job? Do we get it from a relationship? Do we get it from who we are born to? Do we get it from uh, where we are born, or where we live? These all providers of an identity to us. In a majority of us, the sense of identity comes from our jobs. And research has proven many times over that narrower a, pers a person's vision of self, more they are prone to depression, anxiety, and a number of other things. And therefore, when a sense of identity is not confined to a job, the chances of life flourishing and the person living a full life is far higher. So you have to have, that's my opinion, you have to have a little bit of width to what you do. So you don't stick just to a job, but you do a few other things as well. Number two, hobbies create a safe space for experiments, which means I pick up photography, I can make a few experiments. It's not my job. I am allowed to make a few mistakes. And in making of those mistakes and in, in constantly trying to get better, it just gives me a safe space to do a few things very differently. The most important thing is it allows for imperfection. I know that I am doing this as a hobby and I will be making a few mistakes here and there, but that's absolutely okay. And in that process, I learn a few things and that learning plugs in back to the job, plugs in back to whatever I do in the form of new energy, in the form of new ways of thinking about myself, new ways of working on something that was completely disconnected. So that's number two. Number three, 
ஹாபிஸ் ஹெல்ப் ஃபைண்ட் ஃப்ரெண்ட்ஸ் ஹாபிஸ் ஹெல்ப் ஃபைண்ட் நியூ ரிலேஷன்ஷிப் எஸ்பெஷலி வித் த வே த இன்டர்நெட் ஹெஸ் எக்ஸ்ப்ளோர்டு அண்ட் தி சான்சஸ் ஆஃப் ஃபைண்டிங் பீப்புள் ஹூ ஷேர் சிமிலர் இன்ட்ரெஸ்ட் ஹூ ஷேர் சிமிலர் வேஸ் ஆஃப் திங்கிங் லைக் யூ ஃபைண்டிங் தோஸ் பீப்புள் ஹேவ் எக்ஸ்பொனென்ஷியலி கான் அப் ப்ரொவைடட் யூ ஹேவ் அ சென்ஸ் ஆஃப் a hobby or something that you're doing that you're pursuing for reasons beyond putting bread on the table putting bread on the table also brings you in touch with a lot of people no doubts about that a hobby gives you a different feel for instance i do some long distance running uh, occasionally and that is a hobby in itself where i'm able to connect to a lot more people talk to them work with them see what else they do catch up for a coffee and all of that it just gives you a lot more relationships so to me all these three reasons the first one where do i get my sense of identity from the second one where do i get my safe space for experiments and learning and the third one where do i get new friends new relationships new conversations blossoming from all these three needs are met beautifully by hobbies and all of these feed energy into the main job that i'm doing and that's extremely powerful and sometimes what i start out as a hobby in itself becomes the main job for instance stories and conversations which started out as a hobby has become my main vocation that puts bread on the table now and, and there is no never a dull day when those kinds of things happen as well that's a amazing insight kavi thanks for that and so you're saying i'm allowed to take bad photographs once in a while of course everybody is allowed everybody is allowed to take photographs bad or otherwise is for other people to see <laughs> okay nice okay let's just to close this conversation bookend this conversation are there any favorite photographers out there that you follow and second question or the final question is so i am i have picked up a hobby and how do i then go about getting better at that hobby okay and do i follow great photographers some of them some of them mostly on instagram because that's a place where it gets displayed properly and some of them have a knack of telling a good story along with the photograph as well those people are really special i don't recall many names here for instance i was walking in baku in azerbaijan it's a country that i've never been to but they were having a beautiful photography exhibition which was on whilst i was there and it was just on the steps of the the exhibition hall that they were it's a beautiful place and the haider aliyev center and as i was walking up the hall they had a number of photographs that were printed the stories that went alongside those pictures just made me pause made me look at read the story look at the pictures again go back do the same thing and i mean i could have spent days just doing that and quickly came to find in each of those photographs at the bottom there was an instagram handle as to who the photographer was and what the person was doing and of course i was getting a phone and we took pictures and we came back and immediately looked those people up and started following them and seeing the kind of work that they do the point i'm making is you don't have to be the greatest of photographers with the best of equipment to tell a good story some of the best stories are made by very ordinary folks 
that's part of my timeline who have a day job who do other things who are accountants who are who are scientists who are uh, recruitment professionals any anybody they're able to capture good pictures and tell good stories with it some of them are great photographers who've been able to click awesome pictures and again tell stories along with those pictures the pictures must cause you to stop must they cause me to stop they cause me to think cause me to wonder about not necessarily about how can i do that but just about what is getting conveyed and what kind of a story is this what must be the background what must be the thought in being able to tell this kind of a story there is no 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 desire to even start thinking about how can i do this the only desire that's there is to just soak in the story that's coming up from that particular person from that particular picture at that time a good way in my view to build on a hobby is to be able to continuously stay at it to me a community makes a great big deal which is just a connect of five six people who are at different stages in picking that up different stages in the hobby is extremely powerful because you learn from a set of people uh, you are able to have your safe space you're able to put your thought across you're able to have other conversations about the kind of stuff that you've done and that builds a lot of that builds a lot of courage for you to go back and do a few things so if you are interested in a particular hobby i would think it's important to do two things one is to find the basics of the hobby and really see if you're interested or is it a passing passing interest or is it going to be a lasting interest for at least some time invest the money if it takes the money or invest the time to be able to do and check out a few things after you've done that i think it's extremely important to find other people who do it and see if you can do things together along with them and when you do things together along with them and you're able to look at things differently and you're able to process results differently and you're able to step back and examine and reflect what you've done and the mistakes you've done the highs that you have been able to secure then it puts you on a different pedestal of learning because a there is an experience plus b there is a collective processing of that experience in a safe space that is priceless for me when i started out running we were a bunch of people at different stages of life some of them were fast runners some of them were slow runners some of them got to the running largely because the doctors told them some of them got to running because they wanted to beat triathlon records so it was all very different we came in together for different reasons but the time that we spent together became lasting friendships and because of that my running data is available to them their running data is available to me and we're able to look at each other's data and get inspired and do a few things so getting a community for me is extremely important to furthering a hobby that sort of sums up the entire episode kavi thanks a lot for your time and all the best on all your future endeavors thank you rajiv all the best to you too go ahead click some photographs inspire the world make a few mistakes and have a good community of people who will look at it enjoy it appreciate it and invite you over for dinner and lunch thanks kavi it was a very insightful conversation i got a lot out of it and i hope you did too you can read kavi's stories on his blog kavierasit.com I'll put that link in the show notes. To tell you the truth, he's an amazing writer and you will definitely enjoy his stories on his blog. Keep doing what you do, Kavi. 
Looking forward to more stories from you. In the next episode, we talk to a rocking photographer from Brazil, Juliano Baby. He is based in Auckland nowadays and he's a good friend of mine. Before you go, don't forget to have a look at our brand new digital publication, photocountry.co. It has great stories and photography and I would love to hear your feedback on it. Meet you in the next episode. Till then, stay safe and keep clicking. This is Rajiv signing off. Music